Hello and welcome to Inside the Artist Studio. My name is Sean Davis Newton here as per usual for the Cups and Cakes Network. Today I'm going to share an interview that I did at the beginning in November with uh, Calgary-based hip-hop duo Dragonfly Empire. Dragonfly Empire has been around for a long time. It's a duo composed of Tariq Robinson, also known as TK, and Adam Hicks, aka DJ Cosm. They got a lot of wisdom to share about uh, coming up in the in the hip hop scene in Calgary and how that's changed over their uh, almost exactly 20 year history uh, as Dragonfly Empire. Talk about uh, talk about having your first sip of beer out of a tiny uh, plastic Stanley cup. Talk about working at A and B Sound and uh, about both of their uh, common love of travel. As per usual, there's foul language in this episode, so listener beware. And you can find other episodes of this podcast, as well as other audio, video, and written content over on the Cups and Cakes Network website. That's at cupsandcakespod.com. One more time, that's cups, the letter N, cakespod.com. Here's my interview with, uh, with Tariq and Adam from Dragonfly Empire. All right, well, I am Tariq Robinson, also known as TK. I'm the MC for Dragonfly Empire. And I am Adam Hicks, a.k.a. DJ Cosm, the DJ slash producer for Dragonfly Empire. Perfect. Well, uh, thank you both so much for uh, for chatting with me here. Uh, this is a show called Inside the Artist Studio. Uh, we're going to run, run you both through a little rapid fire section here off the front and then... Uh, uh, move into your more standard interview fair, talk about how things have been during the pandemic and uh, what you guys have been up to these days. Uh, so uh, without... F- oh, oh, you know what? Actually, too, right at the end of the show, we normally play a, a, a featured track of some kind from uh, either an upcoming release or something you guys are excited to talk about. So uh, maybe uh, keep in the back of your mind what uh, what track you might want to play yours at the end of the episode. But... Okay. Uh, all that being said, uh, without any further ado, then uh, we'll hop into the rapid fire. All right, all right, perfect. Uh, is there a uh, is there a specialty dish that you cook that people associate with you? Cashew chicken. Okay. What's uh, I, what's all in cashew chicken? I guess I I, I have not in, uh, had it myself. Oh, I make Thai-style cashew chicken. So, like, you'll cut up the chicken, you'll lightly glaze it in, like, a cornstarch. You'll deep fry it to give it a bit of a crisp. You'll saute it with some peppers, some onions, some sauce with secret ingredients. And then you just sort of, uh, you know, just throw the cashews on at the last minute so they're still crunchy. Yeah, yeah. Tariq, is there something for you? I'm a pita pizza guy. (laughs) (laughs) so like you get a like a non bread or like some some pita and you just kind of uh of course for me i'm i know this is controversial but i do like some pineapples on my pizza (laughs) so uh yeah so i'll get some pineapples i'll get also usually some these days some uh of the beyond meat crumble and like fry that up with it so it's not like a ham and pineapple it's like a beyond meat and pineapple pizza on a naan yeah that's my specialty there's there's nothing controversial about pineapple on pizza beyond meat crumble (laughs) on the other hand i don't know (laughs) 
Don't knock it till you try it. <laughs> yeah, how do you find the Beyond Meat? Is I, I know I've tried the Impossible stuff a few times, but uh, what are uh, what are your reviews of them? It's not that I'm vegan or vegetarian, but it's just that meat sometimes, like ground beef, doesn't always sit so well. So, like, ever since I've started just trying the Beyond Meat stuff, like, it tastes like a burger. Like, it tastes like meat. Like, you have to give it a try. Like I said, don't knock it till you try it. <laughs> do you prefer uh, Do you prefer tea or coffee? I prefer coffee slightly. Um, every morning I have to have some coffee. Uh, but then later on in the day, just so I don't get too jumpy, I'll, I'll have tea. And these days it's a, a flavor called chocolatey chai from Superstore, which I've been enjoying. Yeah, I start my day with a coffee as well, but I also brew my own iced tea and like that's like what I drink for water. It's like my crack. <laughs> so I got to go with tea. Yeah, I, I presume no uh no like good host powder for you. You're talking like real real ass iced tea. <laughs> I graduated from good host powder. I grew up on that stuff. It was like mainlining sugar. <laughs> so, I'm totally good with the unsweetened stuff nowadays. Yeah, what's uh, what kind of tea do you use? Uh, just like an orange pico, just black tea. Yeah. Tetley, I believe. Yeah, my girlfriend is big into the orange pico, so every once in a while, yeah, she'll just make up a big jar of iced tea, which it's pretty good. Nectar of the gods. (laughs) What's the, uh, what's the weirdest job you've ever had? Like, for money? Um, (laughs) (laughs) I... you know, I, I I don't tell that many people this, but the first place that ever employed me was a bottle depot, okay. and uh, it's just as gross as it sounds, like probably worse. So I don't know if weird is the right word, but I mean, this is me when I'm 15 years old, saving up for my first turntable. Uh, it was close by, and I had some friends that worked there, so like we had a bit of a work culture, and it was just like disgusting in every way imaginable. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I used, the, oh, sorry, yeah, go you ahead. go. <laughs> uh, my first job was was calling telemarketing uh, for people to subscribe to the Calgary Sun, and yeah, it's very, yeah, it's not very glorious. It's it's like you're interrupting people's dinners and things like that. But wasn't the question what was your strangest job? I mean, mine happened to be my first, but I don't know. I th- I, I've worked like a lot of like jobs on the oh. I don't know. No, they're, they've all been pretty normal, I think. Like, none have been, like, really weird. I mean, I was a production assistant for a TV production company, which was had me doing all sorts of crazy stuff, like running tapes to, like, TV stations and moving sets around and taking notes of, like, what people are saying on raw field tape, like, writing that down. And that was, like, the, the most stressful job I've ever had. But... <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I do think something's really weird about telemarketing, just because I, I think um, when you're on the receiving end of those calls, as most people have been at some point in their lives, you just don't think that there's, like, real people whose job it is to do that. <laughs> um, but yeah, like, I, I couldn't imagine doing that job. It would be very strange. There you go. Yeah, so yeah, it was strange, and... Uh, I couldn't take it after a while and, and, you know, yeah, had to move on to, to greener pastures. 
What's the uh, what's the first car you ever owned? Two thousand five Honda Civic, uh, slightly used. I think it had five thousand. No, it was less than that. I think it maybe had two or three thousand kilometers on it, and drove that till it reached like three hundred and fifty thousand kilometers. <laughs> now, now my mom uses it, and uh, but yeah, that that took us on a lot of tours, and you know, it it's seen a lot of highway. Yeah, damn, still running too. Yeah, barely. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm carless. Yeah, I'm always. I'm always. Uh, I mean, Calgary, I guess, is is maybe a bit different. I know Edmonton is just a massive hassle to get around without a car. Even though, I mean, even though there is transit here, is is Calgary uh, maybe a bit a, a bit more <laughs> accessible in that way? Eh, not really, but depends where you're going. That's fair. Uh, if you could, uh, if you could put together a, a a lineup of any kind of handful of of bands or artists and book them to play a show and give yourself a ticket to that show, uh, what uh, kind of bands would you book? Like Dead or Alive? Yeah, let's go Dead or Alive. Sure. Let's get uh, Bob Marley. Jimi Hendrix, Curtis Mayfield, and Bob Dylan, and A Tribe Called Quest. Yeah. <laughs> Damn, yeah, that's a good festival day. Um. <laughs> yeah, I don't know, like, uh, uh, Ice-T, Digital Underground, James Brown, Miles Davis, Isaac Hayes, and Janet Jackson. Shit, yeah, both of those are really good. It's funny, I feel like that's always the question where pe- people take like a minute or two to answer and both of y'all just had uh, so- something at the ready. Just, just you know, great music, timeless music, and that, that just came off the top of my head right away, you know? I did see Janet Jackson, that was, that was the last one and I was just drawing from memory there, so <laughs> I, I got to live that experience. Is there a is there a social media account that you like to follow, or or do uh, do either of you engage or not engage in social media? Um, let me think here. I know evidence like he had like a who was a rapper in Dilated Peoples and now doing like solo stuff. It's actually an incredible photographer, and so yeah, following him is is pretty cool. Um, trying to think of anyone else who's really kind of make some mark let me get back to you on that yeah i don't follow anybody really like on social media religiously i'm a big horror movie and like art house movie buff so facebook has totally like honed in the algorithm and every day i get (laughs) stuff from the a24 movie group yeah and from the bloody disgusting horror fans page yeah what's what's the place to see like a good a, a good independent or like uh like repertory movie in calgary where's the place to go as far as the big box theaters uh eau claire cineplex odeon they will have like some of the canadian indie stuff some of the art house stuff but then once you go to a theater like the globe uh calgary's independent theater that would be kind of like the metro in edmonton yeah uh and uh they you know they play a lot of good stuff although you know since the pandemic they've 
slowed down on the number of screenings. So it's like if they're actually holding an event, it's a real event because they're probably closed the other six days out of the week. Right. Gotcha. You think of anything else, Tariq, or uh, we'll keep moving? Yeah, let's keep it moving. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Do you prefer sports, board games, or video games? That's a good one. I I think it's sports for me because, like, uh, do you mean, like, watching sports or playing sports? Yeah, I get that question all the time. I'll I'll say either, like, if you're particularly passionate about either of those things, then, yeah. Yeah, so when I was, like, I think grade two, yeah, the, the Flames won the Stanley Cup, and that kind of created this lifelong semi-fandom i guess you know like i'm not die hard die hard but like i follow them even when it wasn't cool to follow them like when they were terrible in the (laughs) 90s and they had the young guns who were just i don't know it was bottom of the league and they could never get out of the bottom of the league until one year they went all the way back to the stanley cup in 2004 yeah it just you know that's my team that i actually passionately care about um, but then uh, recently they have like a soccer team in, in Calgary called Cavalry FC that I've been uh, checking out their games because like the the actual live game day is just a super fun experience and uh, I have a lot okay. of friends that are into soccer so those are kind of the yeah that that would be my choice I guess out of those three options. Um, for me, it's kind of none of the above. Uh, I would probably say video games because I play the occasional video game. I probably would play board games more if I had the opportunity, but neither of those are really like anything I'm passionate about. Yeah, yeah. I, I, uh, in, uh, in regards to like the Flames winning stanley cup at some point I'm, I'm kind of the same way with sports for the most part where like i don't really care most of the time but every once in a while you're living in a city where a team starts to do really well and it's like yeah absolutely i care about this now because it's really yeah. fun to get kind of caught up in that uh, we, right we've all jumped on the bandwagon from time to time <laughs> i was actually i was actually watching the 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 game when the flames won the cup back in 89 and we had like a little table hockey game that had like a little replica stanley (laughs) cup and my dad poured a little bit of beer in the top of the little replica stanley cup and that was the first sip of beer i ever had 1989 (laughs) um do you uh do you have a hobby or a pastime that uh people might not expect from you I'm super into like geography. So like from when I was a young kid, I would look at atlases just, you know, for no other reason other than to just kind of discover what the world is like and like, you know, where different cities are located, etc. and and that's kind of persisted as I've grown older. I really love the game GeoGuessr where you uh, <laughs> you know, you try to figure out where you are in the world and you just <clears throat> spawn <clears throat> you spawn somewhere randomly so yeah some people might not know that about me okay and I, I think that feeds into my love of traveling as well like if i could if i could travel like all the time and be one of those guys like drew binsky or you know uh the yes theory guys or you know i follow those accounts religiously because i envy them I would love to be traveling all the time and just exploring new parts of the world. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, for me, like once again, a uh, pretty big movie fan. It's kind of taken over my life, especially with all the isolation and, uh, you know, seclusion with the pandemic. Uh, so I've uh, joined, the, uh, joined the programming teams for a couple of the local festivals and just previewed like hundreds of movies, hundreds of short movies. And that's been super fun. And then I also share uh, Tariq's passion for travel, but more on a local scale so like if i can go biking in the kananaskis or go floating down a river um you know i i enjoy our great you know our, our big backyard yeah over the over the course of the pandemic are there any like uh directors or any kind of subsets of film uh genres that you've gotten really really deep into I've watched more documentaries than ever before. I mean, when you when you preview for the festivals, you watch a little bit of everything. But I can say that uh, in terms of the stuff that I've consistently enjoyed a higher percentage of, it's it's the documentaries. And uh, yeah, like we we're, we're just wrapping up the selection for uh, a documentary film festival coming up, so I'm gonna go with Docs. Okay, cool. Uh, we got uh, two questions left here in the rapid fire. Uh, is there an album you remember from your childhood that had a really big impact on you that uh, that maybe you still come back to uh, and listen to uh, every every now and then today? Till today, hey, okay, hmm. Album. Let me think about that. You go, Adam. Totally. I mean. Michael Jackson Thriller was the first tape that I listened to religiously. Uh, and then around the same time, I had a Twisted Sister tape for a few days until my mom saw the cover art, and then I never <laughs> saw that tape again. Uh, and then just a few years later, I got into Ice-T, and I was a really big fan of Power uh, and the Iceberg. But then when OG came out in uh, 1991, Original Gangster. That solidified it as like hip hop's gonna be my favorite genre of music. Ice T is gonna be my favorite artist. I'm gonna need four copies of this tape because I'm gonna wear it out. Like I'm listening to it. There's no paint left on on the cassette, uh, and I think I ran through like four or five copies of that tape. Yeah, for me, if we're if we're talking about like the mid '90s and my formative kind of like years when I really got into hip hop, the albums that I keep going back to is like De La Soul, Stakes Is High. A Tribe Called Quest, Midnight Marauders, um, Black Star, the, the self-titled debut album. Um, I'm trying to think of a, of a couple others. The Far Side. Um, not actually the first one. It's actually the second one for me, Lab Cabin, California. So I'll listen to those over and over again. And to me, they're almost like near perfection. Of course, Nas, Illmatic, Illmatic as well. So They are yeah. perfect <laughs> in, in every way. Do do you get something different out of those records when you when you come back and listen to them with like whatever uh, 20 25 years hindsight? Yeah, because like the way that they that they write is especially De La Soul, it's like in code, you know. So <laughs> you you're you're not quite sure what they're saying, but it sounds cool. And then 20 years later, you know, you listen again, "Oh, okay. I can see maybe they're going for that or going for that or why oh, I didn't catch this pun or, you know, whatever kind of secret little phrase they threw in there yeah yeah a lot of metaphors yep very very last question then for the rapid fire side of things are there any uh are there any new bands or artists or up-and-comers that uh that you're both really big fans of that you want to give a shout out to i like this guy uh 
Kid Abstract. He's from LA. And he's kind of like the the young prodigy for for underground jazzy hip hop right now. So he he's just got a cool laid back flow. He's positive. He's you know the beats are always amazing. Uh, also A1 and Phonics, they're like an amazing group uh, from Virginia. I believe one of them's from Virginia, anyways. A1, but uh, yeah, he really lyrical, just like similar to the to the stuff that Dragonfly Empire does and. You know, it's it's cool to see that there's bands still doing it because it's becoming more and more rare for this form of hip hop to to even exist. Yeah, 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 definitely. There's a really good documentary about A1 and Phonics on Netflix called Underdogs. That was actually the that was actually the group I was going to shout out. Um, but like for sure, guys like Pete Flux and Parental, the Liberators, uh, K-Pok from Vancouver, just people who make that laid back in the cut hip hop. You know the kind of stuff that we make. Perfect. Well, uh, let's uh, swing on over into the uh, less structured kind of second half of things. Uh, I, I guess right off the bat, how, how's how's COVID been treating you guys? How what has uh, what has that kind of looked like? We were gearing up to release an album, the Banff Avenue Project, and that yeah. dropped like right when COVID dropped. So we kind of debated the merits like if we could even like postpone the release but it was too late because you know it was already in the machine it was already like just you know a few days from being released uh the part that hurt the most was that we had to cancel our touring plans we were going to be doing a few shows on the prairies then hopping over to france for a handful of shows going to be spending some time in barcelona just kind of relax and discover that place for the first time and of course that all came crashing down so you know i think we were pretty shell-shocked at least i was and i guess on the flip side when the project did release at the end was at the end of february i believe we had a very captive audience everybody was stuck at home everybody was online looking for stuff to do so i think the album maybe got a little more traction online than it would have otherwise, but I can only speculate there. Yeah. Adam was more realist with me in COVID. Like he, he was like, dude, this is going <laughs> to shut everything down. And I was like, no, we're going to Europe. I don't care. I don't want to hear it. La 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 la. <laughs> and, uh, when the NBA, I think shut down a game and like said, everyone leave the building now because one of the players had COVID and then, Right after that, every single sports league shut down. That's what made it real for me. I was like, okay, this this is really not happening. And uh, yeah, but um, since then, that's you know, obviously we're missing shows. We've we've got a chance over the first year to do some online stuff, which was really cool and um, weird and weird. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but but it was fun. You know, I I did a cool one where. Uh, I had to reinterpret my album, my beat tape, Union Latino Americana. And so I got like a, a live uh, conga player to just kind of jam along with me. And we made this cool little split screen performance for the Calgary Folk Fest. And then, uh, you know, DFE, we did, we did a few performances for, for a few online festivals. And then finally got to perform in front of a crowd this summer as part of the summer serenades. Yeah. for the Calgary Folk Fest, which was really neat and like amazing to be performing in front of an audience. But it still was weird because everyone had their own square and they were socially distanced apart. So there wasn't like a crowd of people at the front to kind of go off. 
Yeah. But it, it, you know, so we still haven't quite got that feeling again yet. The last show I remember doing like that was we opened for Maestro Fresh West, I think the December, right before the, the pandemic started. And so like I'm clinging on to, to that memory because, you know, it's like, what is it even like to, 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 to rock a crowd <laughs> and be a real MC anymore? It's like I'm, I'm still trying to like hang on to that. But I'm sure, you know, once it's uh, once it's right and we get a I know it's opening up again now. But, uh, you know, once we get the, the opportunity to perform in front of a captive audience that's like right there in front of you, it's going to be really cool. How, how do you guys find the idea of like live streams and that kind of pivot to like online performance? Just just because I mean, obviously, with any type of music, it, it, like performing and interacting with an audience is really critical. But especially for something like hip hop, which is inherently like fun to go see, right? And there's um, something that's meant to kind of feed off of an audience in a bigger way, if that makes sense. Totally. I, I would say um, when you're live streaming, there's there's more of an onus to like make it entertaining and, and, and make it cool because that that whole live, especially the uh, like the interactive component of it is kind of out of the picture. So then it's like, OK, are people going to like stare at you? like singing or rapping or playing your guitar in your bedroom. Or maybe if you have a cool background and like cool lighting, they'll be more into it. I think it's generally, it was a good band-aid. Like nobody really knew how long this was going to be. So it seemed right. really cool at the time. And then some of the commentary I saw online, like as, as the months went on was like, okay, I'm sick of watching bands play, you know, in their living rooms. Like I, I want some real live <laughs> entertainment. So it's certainly not going to take, take the place of it, but you know, given the situation that, that, that the world's in, I think it's a good thing. Um, and, uh, you know, we've certainly had some fun. We, we did one, for the folk fest last summer it was just like a quick a quick little one but i remember that one particularly because we could see the people on the other side of the screen because people who were spectators were sharing their you know that their, their screenshot so like you actually right. see somebody like sitting at their computer kind of dancing by themselves <laughs> and honestly that that like seeing that human connection like made it cooler for me yeah so uh, let's, I guess, uh, we'll, we'll kind of jump back in time here. Um, do, do you want to talk maybe a little bit about how you two met and, and what the beginning of this actual project looked like? Sorry, so this project or our first project? You know, let, let's go all the way back. So let, let's talk about the first one, the first one first. We went to high school together. Some people, some people know that, some people don't. I was, yeah. I was one grade ahead of Tariq. And there was a couple other dudes at our high school who rapped. And uh, I heard about this guy, Tariq, who rapped too. And then there was a high school talent show. And he got up and I remember like people were mostly doing cover songs or lip syncing or doing dance routines, acapella country ballads. And then Tariq gets up and he's like, but who wants some hip hop and performed an original hip hop song, like not even a cover. Like, I think you made the beat for that too, didn't you? Yeah, yeah, I did. <laughs> there, there you go. So this is like an original rap performance. And then we kind of you know, became acquainted after school through some mutual friends. I used to work on the third floor in the jazz classical section of AMB Sound. And like a lot of people okay. came up and 
a lot of people came up and, and visited me back then. And I, I remember Tariq came and like showed me his beats a couple times. And uh, then we, uh, we, I think you were getting ready to go to Seattle, Tariq. So then we were going to work on some music. So he came over to, to the studio. I had just recently got an ASR 10, like a sampling keyboard. And we put down uh, the beat for Beautiful. That's, uh, you know, if you do your homework, that's the first Dragonfly Empire song ever made. And then, <laughs> and then we, you know, we decided to get together in the studio at our friend Nato's place in Edmonton a few weeks later, just prior to Tariq going to Seattle and put down, I think it was like supposed to be an EP, but it quickly became a feature length project. Gotcha. I feel like that is like, um, one of the most like ready for a, ready for a movie, like origin stories. <laughs> um, <laughs> Fair yeah. enough. And if you want to know the the name, so like we needed a name, and yeah. you know, I suggested to Adam like, what about just TK and and Cosm? And he said, no, no, we need to have an actual name for the group. So then I think I suggested, what about the Jazzy Addicts? Because like the music is jazzy. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. He's like, no, no. And there's there's actually a group called Jazz Addicts now. There's so many groups with jazz in their jazz name. spastics. So, yeah, that was a really good call. And, uh, and then afterwards I was frustrated and I was just like, I went to the band name generator and I hit enter, 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 <laughs> just like found words, like something, you know, posse, something crew or whatever. But then, so I saw the word dragonfly, I saw the word empire, I put it together, spelt it differently because, uh, we, we had, uh, friends who were part of a group called endangered species. And I remember trying to Google them. Or I guess it probably wasn't Google, it was whatever, Yahoo or one of the earlier search <laughs> engines. And uh, and it was a different group. And there were so many different groups called that, you know, with that name. And it made me realize, okay, if we spell it the wrong way, you know, like the far side, for example, like P-H-A-R-C-Y-D-E, I could never find them for the longest time. But like, it's a unique way of like standing out and like making a mark is by just spelling your name differently. So... I said, we'll spell it dragon space, F-L-I space empire. And Adam's like, I like it, but what does it mean? And I was like, it's, you know, it's like super fly. It's funky. It's cool, you know. <laughs> but like all these years later, so many people associate us with like insects and like, you know, with show posters with dragonflies on it and stuff, which is cool. Like later on, I discovered, you know, dragonfly empires like protect the, eco or dragonflies protect the ecosystem. You know, they, they, they eat all the little pests and like, you know. They're kind of like protectors of what's good in the environment. So yeah. I think that relates. <laughs> so so you guys went to high school together. I, I would assume then you're both from Calgary? Born and raised. I was born in Halifax, but but moved here even before I turned a year old. So gotcha. Almost born and raised. <laughs> so what what was the what was the hip hop scene like in in Calgary when you guys were coming up? Like, were you, were you able to like go out and see hip hop shows by like local artists? Was it a fairly uh, uh, vibrant scene at that time? Yeah, I got I got involved in the scene as early as I could just because I love music. I love the idea of, of live shows. First show I saw, 1989, Jazzy Jeff and the Fresh Prince at the Jubilee Auditorium. Yeah. And then, and then there, there was a local band that opened, although I think it was more just like a freestyle jam. Like I think, I don't think this crew had like recorded music per se. 
And then fast forward five years, I went and saw a really good underground Canadian show, The Rascals and the Dream Warriors. And that was probably the first time, uh, yeah, that I saw local acts doing their thing. So I saw Wayne B, DJ Finesse, Baby J, a.k.a. J. Ross, uh, Verbal Assassins, Bonafide Brethrens, among others. And those were kind of some of the early crews uh, that I first heard doing their thing. You can go back further because there was guys in the early 90s like like the SWAT team that, that were already recording. Uh, and, and, you know, there's some artists and engineers that go back even earlier into the 80s. But it really was that mid-90s when I discovered guys like Verbal Assassins and Bonafide Brethrens. And then from there... I kind of discovered an all-ages scene. There was a venue, the Multicultural Center. It's not there anymore, but they used to have a lot of all-ages shows. So a lot of the bands I already mentioned and a lot of others uh, performed there. And over the years, I saw more artists come along, more venues. By the time I turned 18, uh, there started to be a lot more like licensed shows at the Republic. So going to see guys like Jeru the Damager and Exhibit, uh, hieroglyphics you'd always see some local openers with those and then yeah once you got into the 2000s there was a store called fameless there was a store called ghetto blaster like we actually had a little bit of a hip-hop infra infrastructure and there right. were countless acts that emerged during that time too many to, to list well did did some of those people then that you would have kind of grown up going to see eventually become like peers and contemporaries or or did acts generally tend to cycle out pretty quickly, if you know what I mean? A bit of column A, a bit of column B. Like Tariq mentioned a group called Endangered Species. One of them was previously a member of Vicious Circle, which was another iteration of Verbal Assassins. Uh, and like even just Endangered Species, IP and Know How, that's, you know, they've been around since, since the late 90s. We were in a crew together for a while. I mentioned a guy named J Ross, used to go by Baby J. He's one of our contemporaries. Him and Tariq have an album together, a uh, good friend of ours. And a lot of the DJs, a lot of the MCs, guys like Jack Mills and Idol, guys like Chain Reaction, Black Rose. Like, we still know all those guys to this day. Yeah, yeah. So you guys now are, are going on, um, I, I mean, it's it's right around 20 years that you guys have been working with this project. Is That's right? It, it's almost exactly 20 years. Yeah. So the first album, Conquest, dropped in, uh, I believe it was May or June of, of 2002. So, yeah, we're, we're, we're right up there. Okay, actually, uh, quick tangent. You guys got anything, uh, anything planned for your uh, for your twentieth twentieth uh, anniversary, so to speak? It's in I the think makings. so. <laughs> yeah. I think so. Uh, we've got about an album's worth of material that we'll be cleaning up for release next year, and then, you know, I sincerely hope that some shows go along with that, some other celebrations. Uh, Probably a couple things that I'm not at liberty to talk about just yet, but <laughs> I, I definitely think there's going to be some festivities for sure. So I, I guess then the the main part of that question that I was going for, like you guys have been around in the scene in Calgary for a, a good long time. Um, how do you feel like uh, both the hip hop scene and kind of like the, the infrastructure that is there to support it. How, how do you feel like that's kind of changed over the past 20 years since you guys started doing this? 
Well, I think with the, you know, with the advent of, uh, you know, social media and like, it's a, it, it's a double-edged sword, right? So before there was more barriers to entry, you had to like try to get on much music, you know, to, to kind of <laughs> get known at all. So we, we, we were at the very end of that kind of school. So like we, we ended up getting a, a song on much music and that was cool. And like when we grew up in 90s, you know, in the nineties, that's the only one of, that was one of the only ways that you could find out about Canadian hip hop was on much music or, you know, campus radio, et cetera, or mixtapes or whatever. But, uh, you know, now you, if you make a song that's good enough, it can go viral. You can become famous just from your bedroom. That wasn't possible before all these virtual tools were used to be physical, you know, you had to spend a lot of money to buy those. Like he spoke about the ASR 10. Yeah. You know, how much was that Adam? That was like probably like a thousand dollars or something, man. Was, those things have fluctuated so much over the years. Uh, I think they were four or 5,000 in their day, which this one would have been built in the early nineties. By the time I got it, I think I paid a thousand like payment plan from Axe Music. There was one point in like the early 2010s where I know somebody whose brother got one at a flea market in LA for $79. (laughs) And now because they're becoming more scarce and because they're like antiques, I believe they're back up to like several thousands. See what I'm saying? So now you can get a bootlegged Fruity Loops, you know, or FL Studio. You don't even pay for it. You just steal it. And then you become a hit producer, you know, and you're collaborating with people across the world because, like, you're all interconnected. Like, you're, you find the exact people that are exactly like you because they're all online. You're online. You, you, you make your crews. And, you know, you have that power now that you didn't have before. You had to physically kind of meet people. You had to, like, you know, see people in the, in the record store at a show and, and introduce yourself. But now it's like all of that is online and like you know so i think that's that's a huge change as well in calgary specifically you know we've got a little more awareness ar- around the resources in place to kind of help musicians there's a lot more organizations that that are actively trying to assist the urban community whether it's beat drop or 10 at 10 or you know programs from alberta music or the national music center etc like all of this stuff is there and and they're they're trying to get people um you know equipped with the knowledge they need to succeed in the music business whereas you know we 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 had to figure everything out ourselves you know there was there was no roadmap for us we just had to kind of go through a process of trial and error i i guess too then like in terms of the way that you guys collaborate and the way that you guys have worked on this project over the past 20 years um how has that kind of continuous process of trial and error changed the way that you guys actually go about making a Dragonfly Empire record? I mean, I would say, you know, it, there's definitely a lot more, like, we're, we're doing it more at, at a distance. Right. Back in the day, we were, all, we were in the studio together, worked on a lot of the beats together, and went and recorded the album together. And that was definitely the formula as the years went on, as technology improved, as our lives got busier, you know, there's definitely a lot more music that was made together, but remotely. And that's fine. You know, um, 
there's definitely advantages to that. But at the same time, I absolutely love getting back in the studio and collaborating and creating. And, you know, that used to be commonplace, but nowadays it's kind of like a special treat when you actually get to do that. Um, but hey, when you're recording scratches at, at at home, like there's a lot less pressure. So pros and cons. <laughs> yeah, or when I'm recording my vocals and like feeling the pressure of, you know, screwing up. 10 times in a row so <laughs> now it's no pressure at all I, I get it done i send it in bada bing bada boom did did covid kind of accelerate that shift to more like virtual collaboration for you guys or, or was it already um a, a decent amount of kind of long distance per se kind of work yeah i, think, I mean yeah. we did we did banff avenue pretty much remotely uh you know again just going back to our busy schedules and just everything that's on the go. Uh, I, I feel like we were mostly kind of in that mode already. Yeah. But it's like, you know, you kind of already have a, an idea of what the other person is into when you've been a group this long, you know? So it's like when I'm writing my lyrics, when I'm, when I'm rapping, you know, in the, in my vocal booth, I already kind of know Adam's preferences. So like I'm tailoring it, to that so it's like rather than having him over my shoulder saying no do this do that it's like i already kind of have the the virtual force <laughs> ghost of adam right there you know just that when you've yeah it, it just kind of comes with being a crew for this long well uh i'd say uh that's that's as good a spot as any to kind of pivot into the very last little uh section here um is is there a track that you guys would want to play um knowing my guess is this interview will be out before the end of November. So uh, if there's anything that is timely in terms of featuring uh, on that timeline. Uh, but uh, otherwise, yeah, just uh, pretty much anything. I mean, we recently released a maxi single, uh, To Be Continued and Inspiration, two, two tracks. And Inspiration charted on CBC. Uh, and I feel like that's kind of the last big blip for us. So off the top of my head i would say inspiration unless Tariq, you got another idea yeah or one of our collabs on my upcoming solo project rotations um because cause some scratches on a couple joints on there one is like my kind of uh ode to dfe on the solo album which is called all the way live um so you could do one of those as well i know i sent the link to the album to to cups and cakes but if you, if you didn't get it, I can send it to you. One or the other. I'm fine with either of them. Uh, decisions are hard. Let's uh, let's let's go with inspiration. Let's let's go with that. Um, that so that A side B side came out in June, correct? Yep. Sounds about Is, right. Uh, so. <laughs> <laughs> Um, what did, what did the, what did, uh, the kind of pipeline look like for putting that together then? What, uh, this interesting story with those songs. Um, we went on tour. Um, there was a DJ in France, um, peace to my man, Michel Platine, AKA Whiny Not of the Antichambre crew in Lyon. So he got a copy of our abstract final compilation which we put out in 2005. It was a collaboration effort with several MCs from Calgary, Edmonton, and Saskatoon. We didn't have enough money at that time to put out a vinyl 
independently, like each of our groups. So we decided to kind of band together and make a little compilation. And so we had a song in there called Headphones. And this DJ in Lyon, France, somehow managed to get his hands on it. And he really loved that song. And every jam, he would play that song. And so his crew organized a festival in Lyon, or sorry, in Chambéry, which is close to Lyon, every year called Urban Jam. And they wanted us to come and perform there. So uh, we we ended up, you know, eventually figuring out a way to tour Europe. And, like, it was very haphazard the first couple times, you know, and playing squats and playing, like, all sorts of different places where whoever would have us lots of long tr trips on the train but yeah we we ended up going there and he introduced us to a crew that we opened for called dialect music which is an mc named gassam so of course rapping in french and a singer luke nayami siliki and we worked on a song and we performed it live and then the song never came out <laughs> and then <laughs> You know, we, we had many ideas on what to do with the song. We were going to have an EP of all, like, collabs with, with, with Cats from France, but just never saw the light of day. And we wanted to kind of keep our relevance going. You know, Banff Avenue was well-received. We wanted to put something out, and we're like, well, why not put out those joints that we did, like, from those collabs with the guys that we met in France? So 10 years later, you know, it comes out, but it still sounded timeless, in my opinion, and... Uh, you know the 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 reaction especially to the inspiration track has been really cool to see perfect well uh we're gonna listen then uh here to a song called inspiration from uh the maxi single which has uh, a song called to be continued on it as well um thank you guys uh so much for coming into chat it's been a, a real pleasure having you both on thank you thanks so much sean really appreciate it It's the bass and the beat with the boom-bass smack Quand l'ambiance est au rythme, que les paluches claquent It's the grip of the mic, you feel the impact Dans la foule, les images me frappent, les mélodies me traquent It's the bass and the beat with the boom-bass smack Quand l'ambiance est au rythme, que les paluches claquent It's the grip of the mic, you feel the impact Dans la foule, les images me frappent, les mélodies me traquent I was a kid with a dream to make a splash in a scene Where a flash in a pan was the biggest I'd seen So, more like a raindrop in the sea of hip-hop Alberta Rhyme heard her looking at a big flop Full step I ain't getting punk like that I gotta write, gotta push, gotta fight Never sat, lay flat, hopes crack on a mad fat I want more than some pad on the back Or inside little stack on the top 40 tracks Inspire the beats, the rhymes you react to Block party barbecues, grooves you can dance Broken city, CGY, La Marquise, Leon, France With the overseas love, no way you call chance Universal dialect, the music will advance Riding with a full tank piece, brother gas We out like that, on a track and fly attack Spread your wings and then you can fly so high right into the dream so deep within you. Give me your muse, your truth. Je me noie dans la foule, comme une âme saoule, de la bourge à la folle, de la funk au dancehall. Je prends un bain dans ce monde, j'ai rêvé de refaire, même si les taux se resserrent. Moi j'ai trouvé ce repère, je fais partie des gourmands. T'attends le tournant, je rappe dans la cour, non. Frappe, j'ai la fournée, toutes ces journées où les molécules s'entrechoquent. Les mots viennent, puisque la vie est une bulle sans le centre. J'ai une boule dans le ventre, une faille dans le genre, une flamme dans les entrailles, je sculpte de l'encre. Ce qui m'inspire et tu transpires. Calgary et les sont ceux qui conspirent, au lieu de rêver qu'on se tire. Mais c'est comment t'y Dites-moi, pour 
voyager, qui a besoin de tickets Quel mouche vous a piqué Les bras se lèvent, y'a des volcans partout Dragon et dialecte, bienvenue dans ce cartoon Spread your wings and then you Can fly so high right into The dream so deep within you Inside the Artist Studio is produced by Sean Davis Newton for the Cups and Cakes Network. The featured track, Inspiration, is played with permission from Dragonfly Empire. Thanks to Laundry Week for the use of their song, Nothing on My Mind, from the Grimpy EP as both our intro and outro music. Inside the Artist Studio is one of the many ways the Cups and Cakes Network highlights Canadian music. Visit our website, cupsandcakespod.com, to browse our audio, video, and written content. That's cups, the letter M, cakespod.com.